On today's Friday Fire, we get real with the chat of what if you don't? What if you don't make the changes? A lot of times we can feel the woe is me mindset around it feels like it's harder. Why can't I eat the food that other people can eat? Why can't losing weight be easier for me? But we have to look at reality. And what is our reality? What is our body's reality? And look at the things that we may need to do even if they feel hard. Today is all about accepting that reality. You hear all the bull about diet and exercise. Carbs are evil. Do more cardio. Never eat bread or cookies again. Just do a juice cleanse. We get it. We fell for all of the BS too. It's time to go right to the source with the truth about how to live a healthy, sustainable lifestyle. I am Liz. And I'm Becca. We are your nutrition educators and this is The Food Code. Oh, we are going tomorrow night to Carson's school concert. Oh, I no. am so excited. I'm going to try not to laugh. It's like, going to be terrible. It's going to be so terrible. <laughs> but Nick told me this story and I'm so sad I wasn't there for it. So on Sunday mornings, I help at church mm-hmm. and I have to be there at 830 for like the volunteers meeting. And then they go and get donuts. Ugh. And so Nick came to drop the kids off in the kids of the room that I was helping in. And he goes, this thing happened at the donut shop. I so wish you were there. And so apparently, so Carson, one of the songs that they're singing at this concert is Jingle Bell Rock. Yeah. And so apparently when Carson was at the donut shop, he started singing it really loudly, but like didn't understand that everyone else was hearing him. And so everyone was staring at him. And then one of the people that worked there put it on like the loudspeaker and he noticed and then he got really, really shy. And I was like, how did I miss this? Oh my goodness. They do get really shy. It's really crazy. It's like they want all the attention and then they get it and they get really, really shy. I know. So, but yeah, we, I'm super excited. The only downside is that it's at six 30 Taylor's bedtime is like seven 15. She's a disaster around That's what that I'm time. Saying. Like, you know, like in your mind as a parent and listen, I I think about my nieces and nephews, like I would go see them and you have this beautiful picture like, oh, they're going to be so cute and everybody's cooperating. And then there's always that kid who's just like having a meltdown on stage, just standing there staring at people. That'll be my kid. Marcus will just stand there probably and stare or he'll be the person that's like, I want all the attention. Luckily, Taylor is not performing in it. Um, It's two year old and up. Okay. And I'm just going to bring all the milk because if Taylor has a bottle and she can, you know, who cares if she vomits from all the milk? I just like, I need her to not be a disaster. So... (laughs) It's at the high school in St. Charles. I'm so excited for it. It's going to be so great. I hope I can like somehow videotape it. I'm sure you can. Yeah. So. Oh my goodness. I'm very excited. It brings back so many memories of like me as a kid and like singing Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, one of the things that I used to do, because we've talked about this before, Becca and I both were in like musicals and show choir and, you know, whatnot, but we would like have, I would put on shows like in our house. So the way that our house was set up is we had a door to the like, we called it the TV room, but living room basically. And so in, on the other side of it, it was like the office and then like another bedroom or whatever that room was, multi-purpose room at that point. So I'd have all of these different like things to dress up, you know? And so I would put on different costumes and I'd come out and I'd put on a show. I'd go back and have like intermission and all this stuff. I'd just, yes. You know, those were like I the totally, times. I totally did the same thing. We have some VHSs mm. somewhere of some pretty great videos of me doing extremely embarrassing things now that I look back on them. Mm -hmm. I told you about my Britney Spears music video birthday party. (laughs) I was super fat when I was a little kid and I dressed up as Britney Spears with like the tied up white tank shirt, like the schoolgirl outfit. Imagine like a fat 10 year old Becca (laughs) might've been younger than that. I don't know, but a fat 10 year old Becca 
dressed up as Britney Spears singing Hit Me Baby one more time. And I was also like, I don't know, one and a half times larger than all my friends because I just was a bigger child oh. growing up in a lot of ways, like taller and wider. So, um, I mean, that's a better story than what I remember at my 13th birthday. <laughs> my dog was <laughs> just humping his toy and all of my friends were there and it was so embarrassing. <laughs> It's a little white Maltese and like never happened before, but it had to happen on my 13th birthday party. Oh my gosh. Oh, the trauma. No wonder people grow up with trauma. Like what? Scarred for life. Anyways, guys. Another time I got to tell this. So another time I was at my best friend's birthday party and she might've been three. Our 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 birthdays were three days apart. So I don't know if she was turning 13 and I was turning 12 that year. So it was a year before her cat got hit by a car. Oh my God. It's not funny. It's not funny. It's not funny, but I remember, like, I'm allergic to cats. So, like, I I don't, it's not that I hate cats. I just dislike them because they make me feel terrible. So, everyone is, like, bawling, and I'm just, like, standing to the side with, like, no emotion. (laughs) It's so funny to laugh at. Now, we actually have joked about it many times since. Oh, my God. Oh my god, I'm like crying. If you guys are watching the okay YouTube, all right, we got to move on. We got to move on. We have so many podcasts to do today. Um, so we are. It's Friday, guys. It's Friday, and that means fire. Today we are talking about the concept around. I think a lot of people, obviously, that we work with, and in general, that don't feel well. Mm-hmm. There is a level of frustration that I think a lot of people have around having to change. And it's kind of this like, woe is me thought process that why can't my body work like everyone else's? You know, why can't I just eat food that I want? Why can't I lose weight like other people can? And here's the bottom line. If you are dealing with symptoms, if you are dealing with autoimmunity, if you are dealing with conditions like Crohn's or colitis or IBS or IBD or, you know, hormonal conditions like endometriosis or PCOS or anything going on that is a dysfunction to the body or a diseased state, your body is going to need more support. You are not going to be able to eat certain foods without negative side effects. You may not be able to do super high-intensity workouts like other people can without negative side effects. You may need some supplementation for a period of time to reach a healthy baseline for you. And the longer that you fight that and the longer that you have a negative mindset around that, the longer you will stay in an unhealthy, unhappy place. And it is accepting that your body is different. And how I kind of explain it is like, you're special. Okay, you are special. You need special attention and help and support for your body to feel its best. And that's just the reality of it. Yeah, and I remember going through this when I met with a functional doctor back in 2014. I had all of the emotions. I mean, I was grieving in different ways. I was happy that I finally had an answer on one hand. But then on the other hand, I was feeling like I was losing life because I had a plan in front of me that basically took away, it was, you know, anti-inflammatory basically on steroids. Like there was base, there was nothing left, very little, I should say to eat. And so I had to ask myself in that moment, what if I don't do this? What if I don't change? And I had to really start to think about, I'm already in this place that I'm exhausted. I'm 50 pounds overweight. I don't feel good. My joints hurt. I want to hide, you know, in baggy black clothes. What if I don't change? 
And I had to shift into, here's all of the things that can go right. Here is how I can potentially feel. Here are all the foods that I can use. And I had to just put that like do not eat list aside and focus on what I could do. Because the emotions here, when you have a diagnosis in front of you, or you have someone telling you, these are the things that you need to do. And they're really drastic, really hard changes are very real. Mm -hmm. I mean, again, I felt like it was almost grieving in a way. And then you get past that and you start to see the light at the end of the tunnel and you start to see that, man, the burden that my body was under is not normal. And so if I can follow through with this three, six, nine, 12 months from now, I'm going to be in a totally different place. And I was, and I just think that there's so many people that don't think of it this way. Mm -hmm. And so I want to challenge you guys to think about what if you don't change? I talk to people on you know discovery calls all the time. Same with Becca. We talk with some of our clients. And I had this conversation with one of them this week. We're on the brink. Borderline type 2 diabetes, right? The blood work is telling us. The labs are telling us. Your symptoms are telling us. So what if you don't change? What if you don't stop eating the candy? What if you don't stop drinking the alcohol? What if you don't stop eating the pizza? And you, know, you name it for whatever that trigger or that food or that substance is for you. What if you don't stop these things? you will end up in that disease state. We see it, we're at an all-time high. If that's a pandemic, let's talk about a pandemic, right? So that's what I want you guys to take away from this podcast today is like, you need to A, ask yourself, what if I don't change and paint the worst case scenario? Are you in a wheelchair? Are you not here uh, because you've gotten to such a disease state that your life ends earlier than it should, unfortunately? Obviously, that's not what we want, right? We want longevity. We want you to feel well. We want you to age gracefully. We want you to you know, live as long as possible and be mobile, right? That's what I think about is like, I walk because I want to walk with my grandkids someday, right? I don't want you to be so fatigued that you miss out on life, that you want to go to bed at seven o'clock at night and you don't play with your kids or you know, go out with your friends or do things socially because you're so exhausted. That's not a way of living. So we want to ask you that today. It's like, what if you don't change? And the follow-up to this is that then you have to start to accept that we're in a state of dis-ease and we need help. We need support. As Becca is saying, like, you need to accept that there's probably going to be some really tough changes you're going to have to make. You're probably going to have to take some supplements along the way. Maybe you're at a place where medication is also a necessary, uh, necessarily uh, a necessity for a short period of time here. So it's okay, but the longer that you let this go on, the worse it's going to get. And we've mm-hmm. said this before. When you wait because you think, oh, January 1st or next week or next Monday or it's just one meal, you, all these rationalizations that you have, when you wait and you keep putting off the choices that are going to help you improve, things will get worse and it will get harder for you to heal. It will take longer. It's probably going to cost more depending upon what's happening, right? And this is a scenario where we look at you're working with somebody longer than six months. Uh, you are running multiple tests now, or you're having to go back for retest, right? There's a lot of scenarios when it can cost more, but it's going to cost more energy, more time and more effort the longer that we wait. Yeah. And I I think that a lot of times we compare to other people, right? Like why do they have it so easy? She just, she started this diet and she lost 20 pounds in like the past month or, you know, my husband can eat this or my friend can eat this and they can have glasses of wine. And, and I want to remind people that not everyone feels as good as it seems they do first of all. And second of all, just because they haven't reached a level of dysfunction yet does not mean they won't. And so uh, sometimes think about it in terms of like a health and wellness meter, like, you know, a gas meter. So like, if you think about in the middle of that meter, that's kind of non-symptomatic. That's not optimal health. That's like non-symptomatic. And so when you are non-symptomatic, any decision can start to bring symptoms on. 
And so over time, you don't just wake up one day and have dis-ease or have dysfunction or have diagnoses. Things are going on within the body like, oh, I maybe was constipated but didn't think it was that bad or I was, you know, not sleeping great but like I could get through my day or, you know, I was having some headaches but like they weren't that debilitating and you have all these little things and then they start to become chronic and then they start to become debilitating to where you're struggling to get through your day and sadly, that's where people start getting help. Not until they become literally debilitating. They are disrupting your day-to-day life because you deal with things for too long and you don't change anything in your lifestyle to fix them. Maybe you take like some random supplements because you see turmeric is good for inflammation or you see, you know, fish oil is good for inflammation or you see a probiotic is good for your gut or whatever. And so you take some, you're self-supplementing, right? You're self-treating. And then you get to this debilitating state and then you go to the doctor and they might slap a diagnosis on you. It might, you know, be something like Crohn's or PCOS or endometriosis, which are all, you know, they're actual diagnoses. What are diagnoses? They are a cluster of symptoms. They are explaining a cluster of symptoms. And some of those diagnoses allowed you to be treated with a prescription medication, a drug, basically. But that drug is only really addressing the symptoms of that diagnosis. It is not addressing the root cause slash causes. But what if at that non-symptomatic place, you decided even though I don't have any symptoms, I'm still going to focus on optimal health. I'm going to eat the things that I know are right for my body. I'm going to move my body in non-stressful ways. I'm going to focus on sleep and stress management. And then you start moving in the other direction of that meter. You start working towards optimal health. And that journey is never ending. Like, honestly, I, I'm always working on my body. I'm always working on self-development. I'm always working on feeling better in every way I can. How can I optimize that, Right. But we need to understand that just because people aren't symptomatic that we're comparing ourselves to does not mean that what they're doing is healthy for their body or that their body is just like more resilient. Maybe genetically they're less predisposed to certain things. Yeah, that's that can definitely be a situation. But in general, decisions create consequences for everyone, whether they show up sooner or later or not. Decisions always create consequences. And I think we need to understand that whether you like it or not. It's just the reality of it. Yeah. And we've talked about this before. The world that we live in, it's really freaking hard. Yes. You know, um, I, was, I shared this on my Instagram last week. Uh, it's a girl that we follow that I really like. I think it's Nikki Antiman. Um, I think that's her name. But she's basically saying, like, I want for Christmas not to have everything basically be poison. The natural mama or whatever. Natural, natural mama. healing yes, mama. Yes. Um, there's a couple that I follow that are just She's really, really funny. funny. Mm-hmm. I know the one you're talking about. Yeah. She's very non-apologetic about what yeah. she does. And it's good. She shouldn't yeah. be. I don't think anybody should be. And so, you know, we think about all of these things. And, and I think that we look at social media, right, as a place. I actually saw Dr. I think it's Brighton um, shared this the other day. And it, God, if it's not true. People are learning more about PCOS and endometriosis on social media than they are in their doctor's offices. Oh, yeah. And I think the same thing in terms of what we do, you know, when we're focusing more on, like, for me, I talk a lot about constipation and, you know, how Miralax is not the solution. It's little poison that you're taking. Um, It's also not safe for kids under the age of two, but yet the pediatricians keep recommending it. And so it's just angering and infuriating, you know? And so, um, I forgot where I was going with this, to be honest with you. Well, I wanted to touch on what you just said. Then I think we've talked about this once before. There was a a meta-analysis done around how long new research takes to get into doctor's offices. Mm -hmm. Um, and new research on average, I believe it was 11, might've been 17 years. I I can't 19, but yeah, somewhere around, it was more than 10 years for new research 
on health on like, for example, all of the new things that have came out around gut health and the importance of gut health, that new research will not get into textbooks, will not get into medical school, will not get into doctor's offices and, you know, their ability to influence patients, you know, direction for at least 10 years. So one, that's sad. But two, I think about what is also going to get to them because you have to think of like the pharmaceutical industry Absolutely. and what they what their agenda and their propaganda is. So what are the doctors actually reading and researching? Are they going to see that research and all of this new information? Or is it going to be skewed or hidden some way because it's not involved in some of the trainings around other things coming down the pipeline? That's just where my mind goes. I actually um, was listening to someone else that worked in the pharmaceutical area and worked with doctors. And um, he said that your doctors know less about the protocol they are giving you than the drug people that are coming in to tell them to give the protocol. Really sad. And it's, it's just the reality of it. And people don't say it because obviously it makes people look bad, right? But it's the reality of it. They are being sold by the pharmaceutical companies. And you guys, again, this is nothing against anyone. This is just the reality. And it's been going on for years. Of course it has. This is doctors get compensation for giving the V, for prescribing certain medications, for having a percentage of their clients vaccinated. Like there are just realities around what doctors get paid for. Mm -hmm. And so if you were getting paid for that, you would probably be more willing to do it. I mean, let's be honest. Mm -hmm. And it's just unfortunate, but that's the reality of it. And so we need to understand that like, yes, they are helpful. Yes, doctors care about their patients, hopefully most of them. But you cannot expect them to be your constant answer all the time because they might not even know ultimately what's going on with you. They're basically taking your symptoms and they're trying to create a diagnosis to help you with some type of medication. Yeah. Well, and so you have to take your health in your own hands. Yeah. And we've talked about this before, and this is one thing that we hope will come together, you know, in the future in terms of how we approach each individual as mm-hmm. in terms of, you know, for us as practitioners, we're looking at you as a bio individual. We are doing testing, but we're also looking at your lab work. We're looking at all of your symptoms. We're looking at your health history, previous labs. Like what's the story here? What have you been trending? We've caught a couple of uh, clients trending in a a not great direction in terms of cholesterol and then also blood sugar. And they had no idea. Their doctor never brought it up to them. And I think that's what's infuriating to me. Recently, I've had two clients where I've asked them, so one says, you know, my doctor is suspicious that I have PCOS. And I said, okay, well, tell me more about the symptoms. Tell me what hormones they tested, what lab work was done. Well, they never did any of that. And I said, okay, well, that's step number one, right? If you're going to go down the path of potentially getting a diagnosis, like I want to see tests to follow it up. Just not like, well, these are your symptoms. And so we're just going to say that, yeah, you have PCOS. You should go back on the birth control pill. That was the conversation mm-hmm. that followed. Yeah. Um, so instead of getting to the root cause of why her periods were so off and why they were so heavy and long, that was just, hey, let's put you back on birth controls. And she's like, I'm here because I don't want to be on birth control, but I yeah. want to figure out how to regulate this. So anyways, I digress. So when we're looking at today's topic in terms of you know accepting that your body in some situations is going to need more help, we know that it's challenging and we know that it's hard. And this is why it's really important to be part of a community, to have a provider that 
you trust and that is accessible to you. You know, we have a lot of clients who tell us, I appreciate how quick you are to respond in messenger or, you know, the text outside of our meetings, because there's a lot of questions, especially when we're Mm -hmm. running protocols, people, you know, need to have things adjusted uh, from time to time. And we just don't get that level of care. And so if you're not in that place, find a provider that can do that for you. Remember that if you have a doctor, a chiropractor, acupuncturist, massage therapist, whoever it is that isn't listening to you, you can always get a second opinion or go another path. Um, because we see it time and time again. I have a a new client that's starting with me next week that I'm really, really excited about. 11 years has gone to conventional medicine and not gotten help. The moment that he starts describing all of his symptoms and the cascade, it's like everything I told him, I was like, get this book. You are literally the story that's in this book. It's the cascade. And so these are all the things that we're going to basically have to undo and Mm -hmm. fix for you. But Nobody's ever told him these things before. He didn't know that these were options. Um, you know, and when we talk about like the, the pharmaceutical industry, one thing that I'm really proud of us, and I think some people from a business perspective would say this is silly for you and Becca, but this is just our heart and this is what we do for our clients is that we pass off all of this, the supplement discount that we can mm-hmm. because we get it. You're here, you're paying for testing. A lot of times functional holistic is out of pocket. We pass that off because you guys, pills pay the bills. It's I'm gonna be transparent about that. Like, we do all of our testing at cost too. Like everything mm-hmm. that we give our clients, we are not making any money on. Yeah, it is literally just the work that they do with us. It is not that like mm-hmm. there are so many and no fault to anyone. Like everyone picks their own, you know, battles that they want to fight, but we want to help people. Mm-hmm. And it's, it, it, we get that it's expensive. It's an investment. When you work with functional practitioners, when you work with holistic MDs, it's usually out of pocket. It's just the reality of it because insurance companies do not want to work with that route. They don't make as much money with that route. It's coming down the pipeline. Hopefully they are also trying to cancel homeopathic medicine right now. Mm. So there's a lot of things that are just going on in the world that are very, you know, frightening to say the least. But when you are in this place that you are dealing with all of these symptoms and you are dealing with this dysfunction, you can choose to be frustrated or you can choose to say, okay, I may have a long road ahead of me. Mm -hmm. I may have a lot of ups and downs ahead of me. But like Liz was saying earlier, like, what's the alternative? You know, unfortunately, when you're in these places, your body's just starting at a deficit. It's kind of like, I'm trying to think, um, like in golf, you get handicaps, right? You are starting with a larger handicap and you need to even the playing field to be able to feel better, to be able to reduce your symptoms. That takes work. Okay. It takes a lot of work, but Everyone, listen, no one's getting there without work. It's not just you. It's not, you know, you aren't the only one that has to deal with this. Everyone that has been on a health journey, everyone that struggles with their weight, all of these people go through hard journeys. No one gets it easy. No one. And if they tell you they do, they're lying. They are putting on a, you know, a facet or a show on Instagram or social media. That's like, although I love transformations because I think they're a great way for people to connect and kind of relate. I hate them because it makes it seem like things were easy. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Excuse me. It makes it seem like, Oh, that picture to that picture. That doesn't seem that hard. What they don't see are the months, if not years in between those pictures and the challenges and the resistance and the arguments and all of the things that they had to go through to get there. And so understand that, yes, although it is frustrating to be in a place where you feel like you have this huge journey ahead of you, you are not alone. You have a community. You can find a community. There are people all over. That's why we have our Fit Mom community, because we want 
to be able to have that I have a relationship with these other people because they're along the same journey as I am. They're struggling with the same things as I am. And so do you want to look at it as screw it? I don't want to deal with this. This is hard. I'm going to identify now as this person. We're going to talk about that on another podcast coming up. Like I identify as the weight loss resistance. How many times, I mean, we've had lots of conversations with people that are like, my body just doesn't lose weight. Like I've, I've always been this way. I have a slow metabolism. Yes. I've been told that I need to eat less than a thousand calories. I mean, you guys, we, I was telling Becca earlier offline. I'm like, imagine if we did a podcast about all the things that we've heard and all of the comments that we've heard around doctors and what people have been told. It would floor people. It's sad and it's angering. You are not broken. Yes, you might be in a place right now where your body isn't doing great. You're burdened. Your body is stressed AF. And, you know, when we look at the gut and we look at hormones and we look at thyroid, all of these things are interconnected. And it all comes back to where's the stress coming from and how do we alleviate that stress so that you can give your body the opportunity to heal? And it's, so interesting because I was um, doing like a, a deep dive into the immune system uh, last week. And if you guys remember back to the podcast that we did with Deidre when she was on, she was explaining that, you know, a lot of times people will go on vacation, like type A people, you know, they just grind, get it done, go through my task list. Like there's no question about it. Like I'm just a productive person. No matter how I feel, I show up and get it done. Right. And she's like, those people go on vacation they come home and they get sick. And the reason is because their immune system finally feels that it has the ability to start to fight a virus because you've slowed down and you've relaxed and you've chilled and you've rested yep. and you've gotten into that parasympathetic state and you've got your central nervous system into a safe place. We don't do that enough, you know, day to day. And so that's a big part of what we do with our clients is look at the whole life, the whole picture what is burdening your body? What organ systems are burdened more than others? And that's where we start. It's not, I mean, most of the time it is definitely the gut, but we also see for a lot of people that it could be adrenal or it could be thyroid. It could be, you know, other things. And so, you know, you need to understand that while you are here and it is very, very uncomfortable. And listen, I've been there. Becca's been there. It sucks. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. The, the gut healing protocol that I'm in right now, I've had my days, ask Becca, I don't feel my best. I feel like I look three months pregnant and I'm not, and I wish I was, <laughs> you know, and like the supplements that I'm on, like it's a lot right now, but at the same time, I'm looking three, six months from now at what is the possibility of, you know, how things can be different. And I just want to remind anybody who's in that place right now, this all comes down to how you view it and how you approach it. When I looked at my protocol in 2014, I remember like crying about it and grieving and like, you know, I went out and did the whole like YOLO, I'm going to eat all the things, the pizza, the ice cream, the Bloody Marys, the beer, the wine, everything before I start this on Monday because my life is over. That's what I did. And then you felt like crap. Oh my God. I felt worse than, and I was like motivated on Monday because I felt like garbage, oh, yeah. you know? Um, but when I started to shift and look at, okay, here's where I'm at. And if I don't change it's only going to get worse. And I already felt really crappy. So I had to look at it as here's all of the things that I can eat. Here's all of the things that I get to look forward to in terms of the healing process. And I'm just going to look at the day-to-day non-scale victories. And every day it got a little better. By day like 21, I w was feeling so much better. I remember like my brain fog that I felt so strong over me, like that cloud had kind of finally lifted. And I just think a lot of people don't go strict or long enough 
to get to that place. But you know, then the journey was much longer. It was like nine months before I was really back into eating a lot of the foods that, you know, I had to remove. And that's not everybody, but that was my situation. And so I just want to remind you that if you're in that situation right now, shift how you're thinking about it. What are the things that you can have? What do you get to look forward to? And what's the opportunity here? Rather than thinking of it as like, woe is me, it's unfair, sacrifice. You're only going to, you know, basically like tread water through it. And it's not going to be as effective as it would be if you decided, I'm going to take this on and I'm just going to go one day at a time, one meal at a time. If you feel like you're so restricted, you can't have all these things, focus on just what you're going to have at the next meal. Don't focus on this overarching, like I got to make 35 meals for the week because that's what I saw somebody on Instagram do. Focus on one day, one meal at a time. And eventually you're going to get to a place where you're going to feel the difference and it will be worth it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think (coughs) the big thing here is that when you look at it in a negative way, your body is not in a place to heal. Mm -hmm. You have to be in the right mindset. Like when you are in that mindset of this is a burden, this is annoying, I hate this, this isn't going to work. You know, whatever you're telling yourself, your body feels that it doesn't feel safe to heal. You have to believe that you can heal as woo woo as that sounds. You truly have to believe that you can heal. And until you do, you will probably stay stuck. So starting to shift the viewpoint of this is a blessing. I have the ability to heal and feel better and reduce the symptoms and all the things you will be able to get to that place but it has to start in the mind and it has to start with the perspective that you have on that journey ahead of you. Thank you for listening to The Food Code. If this episode resonated with you, please share, rate, and review as this helps us reach others around the world. With that, thank you for listening. We'll be back soon. Love you guys.